Hi, my name is Audrey on program staff. You're listening to week five of the Falls Creek podcast. The speaker for week five was Nick Ataya, and we had 4,039 students in attendance. Enjoy. Uh, it's been a great evening, right? Uh, guys, hey guys, Chandler, you guys, come on out here. You guys come out here with me. Cody, come over here. Alex, come on up here. Come over here. I want to tell you a, a brief story, and then I want to pray uh, for these guys, because uh, these guys are serving the gospel ministry so well this week. Fifteen years ago, yeah. Fifteen years ago, a young youth minister and a recent high school graduate from Norman got together in a cabin right over here. Uh, I was the youth minister. I was at a church in Blanchard, and uh, I needed a, a cabin uh, worship leader, and I had bumped into Cody at a, I think it was a Taco Bell, um, a, a, about a couple months before that, and I said, hey, are you still doing, like, guitar stuff and worship? And he said, yeah, I'm really, you know, trying to get into that, and I said, well, come and lead worship for us at uh, Blanchard at Falls Creek. That, that was 15 years ago, and 15 years ago, it probably would have been kind of like a ha-ha, yeah, whatever, we'll be at Falls Creek one day together, or something like that, but Cody and I have been talking about how this is, for me, it's a dream to even have the opportunity to preach at Falls Creek, but it's one of those grace upon grace things that, it, that the Lord would bless me at least, that these guys would be the ones leading us in worship this week, because I so appreciate your hearts and the way that you guys uh, lead, and Cody, I've known you for a long time, and you're doing this because you love Jesus and you love his people, and we thank you for that, and um, yeah. So I'd just, like to, I'd just like for you to join me in praying for them and thanking them for, for what they have done and what they're going to do this week. Father, we love you and we trust you, and I'm so thankful for Cody, and I'm, I'm thankful for these guys that are up here with him. I'm thankful uh, for John and Chandler and Stephen and Alex and the way that they are serving you for your glory, to your glory. And uh, they're serving these students and they're serving us as leaders here because they love Jesus. They love the proclamation of Jesus. And they love seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus. And that's what worship is all about, worshiping Jesus because we know him. So would you just continue to pour out your grace and your favor upon them. Let them have a wonderful week. They've pulled double duty. I'm sure they're getting tired. So give them the energy and give them the peace to continue to walk in your ways this week. We love you and we trust you. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate you. You can go ahead and open up the word of the Lord to John chapter 1. We're going to be there again, John chapter 1. I told you last night through a series of questions that Todd was asking that I, I, I'm a Mariners fan. And Todd's a Mariners fan. I don't know if he said that or not, but Todd and I, are we, I think we're the only two Mariners fans in the room. But I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. Uh, you're making that up. You're not really, a, there's, there's not really, any, are you really a Seattle Mariners? Okay, that's great. So this year was really, really fun to be a Seattle Mariners fan for 15 games. We started the season off 13-2. and two. We were cranking home runs. We were just, I mean, scoring like eight runs a game. We were leading all of baseball 13-2, and two, and I think we've won like five games since then. I mean, we're really pitiful. We're really poor. But we started off so well, and it seemed like, is it possible? Is it possible? You know, we were kind of doing the, 
the professional sports thing, why not? You know, why not? It could be us. Why not? It's not going to be us. It's never going to be us. But, you know, I'm a Mariners fan. But it was such a great start. And there was a whole lot of excitement. But then the bottom fell out for us Mariners fans. And now we're just kind of hoping that by the end of the year we can make some sense and look like we're at least playing baseball. It's kind of the way it is every year for the Mariners fans. And I say all that to say this. When you get to Falls Creek on Monday, all right, you get here, you arrive, you're all jacked up, you've had 13 ICs in the first two hours that you're here, you know, you've trashed out your dorm room already. How many dorm rooms are completely trashed out already? Yeah, 24 hours and the dorm room is trashed out, right? So you got all this excitement, you're making new friends, you know, uh, you're not being grumpy yet, you're not taking it out on the cooks yet, you're not taking it out on your leaders yet, you know. And then there's going to be this challenge, though, I promise you, and it's going to start tonight. There's going to be this challenge that's going to move into your mind and move into your heart and move into your space, and Satan's going to try and ruin the great start. He's going to try and ruin your week. It's going to be a relationship. It's going to be a fight with a friend. It's going to be you don't feel well. It's going to be you don't like what you're doing it's going to be something and satan's going to try to disrupt what's going on so let me just encourage you with this every time you feel tempted this week to just check out every time you feel tempted this week to say well, it was a great start but boy the bottom's falling out of this now just remember that that is not from the lord jesus that is from the enemy who seeks to destroy your week god wants you to enjoy this week and I hope you know that so just be mindful of that as you go throughout this week John chapter 1 would you stand with me as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord with reverence we come to John chapter 1 with a still heart and a still mind that we might hear from the Lord tonight in John chapter 1 starting in verse 1 we'll read five verses in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Now here's our key verses tonight. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we trust your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will take your written word today, the word of the Lord, and you will speak to us, you will speak to our hearts, you will speak to our soul, and that we might be shaped into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Transform us through the power of your word. It's in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, that we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. So here in John chapter 1, last night we talked about the theme for this week, at least as the preaching theme is Jesus is. And as we unpack who Jesus is, what we're doing is we're actually unpacking the mystery revealed. Because that's John's aim. Remember, John's aim is to unpack the mystery revealed to us. He wants us to know who Jesus is, what he did, and what he said. And so as we come to these verses tonight, we, we're, we're first mindful that we remember that John starts off that the very first thing he wants us to know about Jesus is that he is the total 
personification of the spoken word of the Lord because he was there in the beginning he was with God he was God and all things were created by him and he can do that because he is the word because he is Lord and then John says this now that you know he's the word now that you know who he is that he is God and that we worship him as God and that he wasn't made by man and he goes before all of that and he made you and he made me John says guess what life was in him and that life was the light of men and that light shines in the darkness yet the darkness did not overcome it I think this really begs a question right so John's established who Jesus is he is God high and seated on a throne he's creator it, it really forces us to ask the question if Jesus is God then why did he come to earth right I mean I, I, I try to think of it in simple practical terms you and I if I am dwelling somewhere where all there is is glory and purity and holiness and majesty and worship everything I can see for as far as I can see is just pure and holy okay and I and I look at that and I decide for myself you know what I'm gonna leave this and I'm gonna go to something that's pretty much the exact opposite of that I'm gonna go where there's hurt I'm gonna go where there's sin I'm gonna go where everything is detestable I'm gonna go where people are in pain I'm gonna do that John forces us he brings us into the presence of Jesus and forces us to ask the question okay if he's God then why did he come and if John was here he would say I'm glad you asked I wrote a whole book about it here's why Jesus came and he starts with this that his presence him coming to earth is that life and light were not only in him but by coming to earth life and light he brings to us you see if Jesus didn't come to earth he doesn't bring the life if Jesus didn't come to earth he doesn't bring the light so why does he come to earth why does God become flesh to dwell among us to come to us because he's bringing life he's bringing light for 4,000 5,000 years this is what the people of God have been waiting for God said he was gonna send the life God said he was going to send the light, and we wait for that, and now he's here. Jesus, he comes, John says, and he brings with him life and light. And it's interesting, I, what I love about uh, John's prologue and really the first couple of chapters of John is that we also hear about another John, and, and we're going to get into him more as the week goes on, but there's another John named John the Baptist. Don't mistake, there are two different Johns. There's John the Apostle who's writing the story, and there's John the Baptist who was the guy that was out there preaching about Jesus. He's the first New Testament preacher. And here's what he did. This is the guy that went out in the wilderness, lived off of whatever he could find on the ground to eat, and he would go around and give testimony that the light is coming, the truth is coming, the Messiah is coming. And as he tells people this, he's not only got this anticipation and this expectation that Jesus the light and the life is coming he actually knows he's already here 
And later in John's gospel, we'll read where John the Baptist says, he's among us. He's here. If you keep on reading in John, verse 6, there was a man named John who was sent from God. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So Jesus comes with the life. He comes with the light. And there's this guy that's going around telling everybody, guess what? He's coming. And when he comes, you're going to want to believe in him because he's the one who gives you life and he's the one who brings the light. The obvious dilemma here, though, is if Jesus came to earth to be light and bring light, to be life and bring life, what does that mean for us? If we needed life and we needed light, it means that our current condition is what? Death and darkness. Why did Jesus come as the life? Why did he come to bring the light? Because the earth is covered in death and darkness. It's not a pleasant thought. It's not a pleasant condition. Many of you are familiar with this. You're fully aware that your life is filled with death and darkness. But I want to speak about a specific type of death. In a specific type of darkness. It's spiritual death. And it's spiritual darkness. If Jesus made all things, we already know that he's given us physical life. But he comes to earth after he gives physical life. Because we need spiritual life. And we need spiritual light. Because the earth is covered in death and darkness. I remember about 12 years ago, I was in Cardiff, Wales. And uh, we were going throughout the city of Cardiff, and we were getting into a, a, a particular part of Cardiff where um, it, it's an area of an inner city that you may have, have know about or be familiar with, where as you walk down this particular part of a city, all of a sudden, you can no longer see inside the restaurants and inside the shops. The windows are covered. And our assumption is always that the windows are covered so that we can't see what's in there, right? It's, it's, it's a... It's a it's, a lot of grace that these establishments would for our favor, you know, and, for our, and, and so that we wouldn't have to be conditioned with what we see, that they would be so kind as to cover those windows so we wouldn't be upset with what we see. And that's kind of always the assumption. You know, you walk by those places where you know what's going on inside, you know that people are being sold inside, you know that there's, people are being drunk inside, there, there, there's, there's all kinds of harm inside, there's destruction inside. And they're shaded so that you can't see in. And so there were some comments made from some of the students about this. And the missionary said this. He said, you know, I think people always assume that the coverings on these windows are for the people on the outside so that they can't see in. And he said, there may be some truth to that, but I actually believe the opposite. I believe that the reason that those are covered is so that people that, so that, people that own the establishments and the patrons that come into their establishments won't be enticed by the light they see on the outside. You see, when you're in darkness, when you're in a place of death and darkness, the enemy wants to keep you there. The enemy doesn't want you to see that there's life and light on the outside. He wants, to, he wants you to be trapped in the darkness. And when that missionary said that, 
it just made me think of the condition of spiritual darkness that all of us are faced with apart from Jesus Christ. And if he truly came to bring the light, it means that he came to bring the truth to us so that we might be able to see out of the darkness and see what's really out there that God has for us, namely his son, Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that has the life. And if we're ever going to see out of the darkness and into the light, somebody's got to tell us that it's Jesus that we're supposed to be looking for. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. You guys are all in the darkness. But there's one who's among us, the Messiah. He's the light. He's the life. And that's why he came here, so that you can get out of the darkness and you can get out of death. The Apostle Paul, another apostle in the scriptures, in the book of Ephesians, he writes more specifically about this. And he, he, he actually speaks to our condition in, in very vivid terms. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to this worldly age, according to the ruler of the atmospheric domain, the spirit now working in the disobedient. So he's talking about the evil one. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about the work of the evil one that puts sin in front of you, that, that entices you into sin and asks you to be disobedient and your flesh says, yeah, why not? I'll walk in that darkness. And the apostle Paul says, when you walk in that darkness, you're dead. That's what sin does. Sin makes you dead. When you rebel against God, it makes you dead. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it made them dead. When you were born into this world, you were born dead. Because the Bible tells us that each and every one of us has sinned. Each and every one of us has disobeyed God. Doesn't matter if you've sinned one time or a million times. One time brings death and darkness to your light. So the Apostle Paul says you were dead. He doesn't say you were suffering. He doesn't say you were struggling. He doesn't say you were gasping. He says you were dead. Meaning you can't just wade in the water struggling, waiting for somebody to throw you a life raft, right? That's what struggling is. That's what gasping is. It's being able to manage just enough of your life that before long, somebody will come along and throw you a buoy. Somebody will come along and throw you a life vest, right? The Apostle Paul says, no, that's not your condition. That wasn't your condition, and that's not the condition of anybody apart from faith in Jesus Christ. No, the Apostle Paul says, no, you're dead. That means you have no breath in you. You're at the bottom of the sea, and you have no hope. You're dead in your sin. That's what sin does. Did you know that when you were born, you were immediately issued a death certificate signed by sin? When I was born in 1979, as soon as I took my first breath, the Bible says that a death certificate was signed, and it was signed by sin. So why does Jesus come? Why did he come to earth? Why does John tell us that he was the life and the light so that I could overcome death and darkness? Uh, an interesting thing happened last week, and I don't know if you uh, read about this or saw it in the news. I, I mentioned last night that my favorite restaurant, fast food restaurant was Chick-fil-A, okay? How many of you like Chick-fil-A? Okay, great, great. 
So in the news last week, there was a story about a mother who was pulling through Chick-fil-A. And her young child had gotten the seat belt in the back seat wrapped around this child's neck. And the child was turning colors. The child was turning purple. And she, she's having a fit about this. And this young man at Chick-fil-A who's working the drive through window, he hears the commotion. He sees what's going on. And he dives through the drive through window, gets into the car, sees what's happening with the child, that the child is struggling to breathe gets his pocket knife out. I didn't know Chick-fil-A people had pocket knives, but some of them do. Whips his knife out and cuts the strap. And the child starts taking in air again. And the mother in the story talks about how much gratitude she had, how thankful she was that this young man had enough nerve, had enough boldness, had enough character to dive through the window and cut the strap off the kid's neck. And we, we read of a story like that, and we think, oh, we, we, the kid's a hero. And he is. The kid's a hero. The problem is, for most of us, all of us, many of us, probably some of us for sure in this room, even in those deep, dark, desperate moments of life, we think, I'm still, somebody's going to come along. I'm gasping. I got a little bit of life left in me. I'm going to get out of this. We think that life is just about the struggle until something magnificent comes our way. And the reality is, our soul, our soul is thirsty. Our soul is screaming. Our soul is crying out for the strap to be cut that's strangling it to death. And that hero is Jesus Christ who gives life and light. If you're waiting for it to be somebody else, nobody else is coming. This isn't an episode of Baywatch. Nobody's coming in slow motion to save you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who can give you life. Nobody else. And so John, he has this urgency to make sure that the reader would understand this. Okay, God, the Word, he came. He became flesh. He came to live with us so we could see him and hear him. He was the very word of the Lord. And not only that, he brought life. The life that John talks about is a spiritual life. But we, as we look at the word, we understand our condition. We don't have life. We have death. We don't have light. We have darkness because we have sin, because we've disobeyed God, because we've rejected God. We haven't given our lives to God. We haven't considered God. We haven't embraced the person of Jesus Christ. There's in, in, in northern Utah, northern Utah, there's a, a, an area <laughs> made up of the largest living organism on the planet it's called pando p-a-n-d-o not panda pando and pando means in latin i spread far i spread far but what is pando pando is forty-seven thousand 
genetically identical aspen trees. That's a lot of aspen trees. And they are genetically identical. Each of those aspen trees, by botanists and biologists, have been tested and they have proven that they are all genetically identical because they come from the same source. And about 10 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago, they were noticing that pando, meaning I spread far, was no longer spreading. They weren't growing and expanding anymore. They weren't dropping enough seedlings to overcome the mule deer that were coming along and eating the little sprouts. So they were doing some research, they discovered that deep in the heart of the root system that creates all of these genetically identical aspen trees, there was a disease. And the disease was slowing down their ability to drop seedlings. And so there wasn't enough seedlings on the ground to overcome the mule deer who come along and eat the seedlings. So the aspen trees, pando, which means I spread far, is dying. And here's what's even more interesting about that. The botanists, the scientists that are looking into this, they have no solution. They have no way of fixing this. No way of stopping what's inevitable with Pando. They're dying and there's nothing anybody can do about it. When sin entered the world, it brought with it death and darkness. And everyone has been affected by it. You and I. In the book of Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you go over to 6, 23, it says that that sin has earned us death. That's a very morbid thing to think about while we're trying to have fun at Falls Creek. I'm perfectly aware of that. I'm perfectly aware that there's a guy standing on stage right now saying that your condition could be death. And all you have to hold in your hand is a death certificate that's been signed by sin. And the world is satisfied with your death certificate. But remember this. John tells us that Jesus entered the world. And he entered the world and he brought with him life. And he brought with him light so that we no longer had to walk in darkness and we no longer had to walk in death. Jesus is the life. Jesus will tell us in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father lest they come by or through me. That is the message. That is the gospel. That I'm dead in my sin. I am separated from God. Do you realize that that's the full weight of death? Separation. When you die, you're separated. When you die spiritually, when you die without Christ, you're forever separated from God. And there's nothing you can do about it at that point. So John seeks to bring awareness to us. And John the Baptist was going out preaching about this Messiah because he wanted people to know that you don't have to live in that condition anymore. I'm wearing a one of my, I, wear, I, I order a lot of shirts from a place called uh, Missional Wear. In fact, somebody earlier said, did you get that shirt from Missional Wear? I said, yeah, I got the shirt from Missional Wear. Most of my shirts I wear are. 
And this one says sola fide, sola fide. Last night I wore sola scriptura because we come to the word, we trust the word alone. Sola fide means salvation is by faith alone. John the Baptist would go out and call people to believe in faith. Jesus came to this earth and he would call people to believe in him through faith. That they would put their faith in him. Nothing that you can do can earn your salvation. The Bible says that it's by faith and faith alone. In the book of Ephesians where we were just at, chapter 2, if you keep reading, you get to these beautiful verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that anyone can boast. For we are his creation created in Christ Jesus. So Paul starts that chapter off with, guess what? There's a death certificate. When you sin, you're dead. But guess what? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, knowing that there's nothing you can do to earn salvation, but you trust in the Son of God, you trust in the Holy Word of God who is Jesus, you trust in the one who gives life, the one who gives life, you put your trust in him and you shall be saved. Your soul is rescued. Your soul is given life. That is the gospel message. That is why we gather here at Falls Creek to tell the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who brings life to the spiritually dead. It is Jesus who brings light to the spiritually darkened. We need to be rescued from the dark. You need to be rescued from the dark. You need to be rescued from death, and only Jesus can do that. Listen, I'm, gonna, I'm wrapping up here. Your sin is the guarantee of your death. But faith in Christ Jesus is the guarantee of eternal life. The Apostle Paul would tell us in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I said last night that the four most important words in any language are, thus saith the Lord. If there's a second four most important words, it's this, you shall be saved. Because as God's word comes to us in Jesus Christ, he tells us you can be saved. Anyone who believes in me, Jesus says, will have eternal life. He came as the life. And tonight, all of heaven looks down on Falls Creek, where the word is being opened, where the word is being read, where the word has been sung, where we know the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And if right now, in your seat, you feel this weird sensation that you want to cry out to God. If you feel this thing that's going on and you know it's your soul, you know it's not your emotions, you know it's not your head messing with you, you know it's not Satan messing with you, you know right now that the Lord Jesus has sent his spirit to draw you to the person of Jesus Christ in faith. If that's you tonight, then we want to give you an opportunity to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for your salvation. So we're going to pray. 
we're going to pray. And after we're done praying, we're going to sing. And while we're singing, if the Lord has so moved you tonight, or maybe it was something that happened earlier today, and you know that right now, or at some point today, you knew there was an awareness of your death, there was awareness of your separation from God, there was an awareness of darkness that was in your life, and you long for the life that God has for you, that life eternal. You long to give your life to Jesus now, to believe in him, to trust in him, that you might have eternal life. If that's you, we're going to ask you to come forward so we can celebrate that. We don't ask you to come forward so we can tally your name. We ask you to come forward because God's people celebrate when somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to celebrate with you. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray over you. And if it would so be the blessing for this church here tonight that we would be able to rejoice that the Lord has drawn people to himself tonight for eternal life. If that's you, we want you to come forward. We want to make sure that the gospel has been proclaimed clearly to you and that you know that you're giving your life to Jesus Christ tonight. We want you to trade that death certificate in for a certificate of life that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So let me pray for you. God, we love you and we trust you. And right now, God, I know what's going on in the hearts and minds of many people. Many here tonight, there has been an awareness because your word has been opened. There's an awareness. Jesus came to bring life because I'm dead. Jesus came to bring light because I live in darkness. And there are many here, God, that right now, they long to give their life to you. They long to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. They desperately want to do that. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would so encourage them, would give them the boldness to make that a testimony, to make that a confession, that they would give their lives to you tonight. To the glory of God, they would give their lives Lord Jesus Christ tonight for the forgiveness of their sins that they might have life. We rejoice tonight. We celebrate our Savior tonight. We worship our Savior tonight. And we worship you for all of eternity. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening.